Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good afternoon. Good evening, good morning, wherever you are across the globe. Scott Luton and Greg White with you here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Gregory, how are we doing today? And happy noon hour. That's where we are. That's um, right. I'm doing well. Thank you. Well, uh, it, we're enduring quite a blast of wind for the next, last few days and next couple days here in the South. So um, I saw that Atlanta has some sort of wind and low humidity warning. We've, Both very odd at this year, <laughs> wind and low humidity. We're, we batted down the hatches. We've tied down the flower pots, even the dogs. The dogs and cats are all secured, so we, we're not going to leave anybody behind. But talk about a whirlwind over the next hour. Oh. We're going <laughs> to be diving into all sorts of supply chain, freight, business market observations, yeah. as we're going to be sharing key insights, Greg, from one of the leading transportation industry resources, the U.S. Bank Freight Payment Index for Q1 2023. So, Greg. We want to invite folks to access and, and go ahead and download a copy of the Freight Payment Index so they can follow along and mark it up as we, we dive into it over the next hour. And folks, as you can see there, uh, and if you're listening to this replay, you can check it out at Freight. It's really easy, really easy. Freight.usbank.com to get your own copy. All right. So, Greg, uh, before we introduce our guests, so we're going to be um, uh, having – one guest, one business leader really focused heavily on what the data is showing, right? And then we're going to have our other uh, guest and business leader focused more heavily on expertise in terms of what's going on out in the marketplace. Right. Right? So before we introduce our guests, uh, we've really enjoyed this ongoing collaboration with U.S. Bank as it's one of the leading financial institutions involved in powering the transportation industry forward. The backbone, as we all know, of the global supply chain community. Uh, tell us more, Greg. What, what have been your thoughts of this series? Well, uh, my thoughts have been the skyrocketing growth. I, I can't even remember what the number was uh, in billions of transactions back in 2019. Is that when we started this? I think so. Yeah. yeah. And now uh, U.S. Bank is processing $46 billion dollars worth of transactions it did in 2022 um and that's one of the biggest reasons i mean there are you know millions of transactions in that data and they are like we often encourage and people are trying to do in the supply chain they are taking advantage of that data to give you insights into what has happened and let you decide what might happen using that information uh in the future right uh and this one this time around some really interesting um, insights and really interesting offsets, right? Some regions doing really great, some doing really poorly. Um, it, it's, you know, going through it this time, it really made me think about uh, how valuable this information is and what it can tell you. And, and also, it does tell you some of the reasons behind that. And we're going to talk about that in just a little bit. 
That's right. The gift that keeps on giving. And really quick, folks, again, uh, focusing on shipments and spend, as our graphic here indicates. And if you want to download a copy, Greg mentioned the five different regions that it really dives into coast to coast. Again, freight.usbank.com. Okay, Greg, we've got folks. Uh, we got Juan Garza with us. we got John Peterson from Marietta, uh, Mangor from Bangladesh. Great to see everybody. Uh, Juan is in Dubai, so welcome. It's definitely a, a, global, a global conversation here today. But Greg, are you ready? We've got two outstanding guests. Are you ready to bring these folks in? Let's do it. Let's do it. So I want to welcome in uh, first Bobby Holland, Director, Freight Data Solutions at U.S. Bank, and Michelle Moore, Senior Vice President, Integrated Supply Chain at GAF. Hey, hey, Michelle, how you doing? Hey, thanks for having me today. Well, great to see you. I really enjoyed our pre-show conversations and back by demand again. Bobby Holland, how you doing? Doing well. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good, good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Uh, I tell you. All the bases covered. That's right, Bobby. Well, you know what, Greg? Yes. Uh, Bobby just gave us a perfect segue because we are combining two of our. How does he do it? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, we're going to be combining two of our favorite topics here because I want to pose a little fun warm up question before we get into some of the key takeaways and the rest of our conversation. So, yeah, we're combining sports and food. And Michelle, we're going to start with you because as um, as we learned in our pre-show conversations, you're a big sports fan, a big Philadelphia sports fan. Man, it's a good time to be a Philadelphia sports fan, right? So the question is for all three of y'all, Michelle, when you and the family are sitting down for uh, an Eagles game or a 76ers game or whatever, what is one food dish that has to be on the table, Michelle? So I thought about that question and everybody that thinks about Philadelphia, of course, thinks of cheesesteaks, typically from a couple of venues called Pat's or Gino's. And usually there's a debate about Pat's or Gino's. I've been to both. To be honest, I like them both. I couldn't tell you which one I like better. Uh, It's a new experience every time. But I'm going to give a local plug. Um, You would buy chicken cheesesteaks from from a family owned business uh, where we know the owners not too far away in Delaware County, Pennsylvania, Marco's. So okay. Marco's chicken and cheesesteaks would be our choice. Marco's. Mar- big shout out to the Marco's family. I'm going to have to check that out, Michelle. Yeah. Good market intel. Ain't it, Greg? Yeah, that's great local knowledge. I love finding places like that. Also, gotcha. you wait in the line for less time than you do at Pat or Gino's. <laughs> I have to ask you, Michelle, with or without? Oh, all right. So Bobby, uh, Michelle set a high bar, but what about you? When you're gathered with your family for sports event or whatever, what's one food dish that's got to be part of that? Wings, of course. Okay. The hotter, the better? The hotter, the better. Um, Of course, I live in the area known for being the the home of the Buffalo wing. That's right. I live in Buffalo. I live close. Okay. The, the famous Anchor, Anchor Bar, which exactly. I think has got the best claim to the birthplace. Okay, so we've got uh, uh, Philly chicken Philly sandwiches from Michelle. We got hot, hot, hot wings with Bobby. Greg, round it out for us. What's got to be part of the, the White family's uh, tailgating? Barbecue ribs. What else? Right? Beef, beef or pork? Barbecue ribs in the – oh, beef, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> Beef. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I didn't even know you barbecued pork, honestly. Until oh, my gosh. I feel like I missed half my life. Um, so, 
I, did, I also didn't know that you could use barbecue sauce. You know, when I was a kid, you got your hand slapped if you used barbecue sauce. But yeah, <laughs> if we're tailgating um, or really eating at any event, there's going to be yeah. barbecue there. Okay, man. All right. So now everybody's hungry, right? And we're enjoying uh, wonderful sports seasons. We got to get in here and jump in, uh, jump in to the freight conversation. So, Bobby, uh, we value, of course. Yeah, yeah, that's right. If you got some of his wings, hey, shoot, shoot some to us, would you? Uh, but we value your quarterly insights and perspective as we've done this this show going back several years, as Greg mentioned on the front end, as our global audience members that uh, we were recognizing some of those folks on the front end as well. So I want to start today with just sharing a quick sneak peek of five key takeaways from the first quarter 2023 freight payment index that we're going to dive in deeper the second half of the show. So Bobby, what are those five key takeaways? The five key takeaways are first that the Q1 2023 results reflect a continued soft trucking market. Okay. Second is that this is the first time in three years that we've had both quarterly and yearly drops in both uh, the metrics of the shipments and spend. Yeah. Uh, in this quarter, we saw that the Southwest, uh, outperforms the other regions for the third consecutive quarter. Uh, Midwest region is still struggling, posting declines in three of the four metrics, you know, shipment spin, right. quarter over quarter, year over year. And then finally that the Southeast saw a s- almost 8% increase in yearly spend, despite over 16% fewer shipments. And we'll wow. delve into what those mean as we go through. Okay. So thank you for sharing. So folks, hopefully y'all, y'all took note of that. We're going to dive deeper into each of those five key takeaways, things you got to know that's going on out there in the freight market. So stay tuned as we dive into that in 20 minutes or so from now. Um, Greg, let's get to know both Michelle and GAF a little better. Yeah. So uh, there's a couple mind benders there, Michelle. Um, but tell us, before we get into that, tell us a little bit about what you uh, do at GAF and and if anybody doesn't know what GAF does. I'll start with I'll start with GAF um, because they've been around a lot longer than me at GAF. So um, if you didn't know, GAF is a, a North America's largest roofing and waterproofing manufacturer. Um, it's protected homes, businesses, families, communities for over 135 years. So it's it's very very uh, prominent. Mm. Um, the fun fact is across the United States, one in four homes are protected by a GAF roof. I did not know that until I joined the company. I'm not sure who, I'm not sure whose roof we have. I know we had a hailstorm a few years back and and did get a new roof. I'm hoping it's GAF roof because we have the highest quality in this space. Let's make Uh, it so. Let's just assume that is definitely a GAF uh, roof, Michelle. How about that? That's, I think that's good. I think that's good. I think that led me to this company. Uh, we, we have over 4,000 employees here at GAF uh, and over 30 locations, uh, U.S.-based. So I am the Senior Vice President of uh, Integrated Supply Chain. Uh, I joined seven months ago yesterday. So okay. I'm fairly Happy new anniversary. to this. Thank you. Um, I spent three decades, over three decades, working at DuPont and its um, chemical spinoff, Comores. Um, and I had awesome experiences and great opportunities working at that company. I, I never left. So you might say, why did, why did, why did you get into roofing um, so late in the game? Right. And it's because I was looking for something new and when, you know, when I o- kind of opened myself up to, to looking, um, I met with some of the GAF leadership here and I love their mission, which is to protect what matters most. Um, I love their mission that, you know, they're all about community and all about planet. 
And I thought if I was going to do something new with my life, um, it's getting a little late, so I better get started. So, so seven months ago, I joined and uh, I've never looked back. It's been awesome so far. Mm, that's great. Appreciate it. Uh, I have to ask you, do you make metal roofs as well? Or we do. I hope we they're do. windproof because I think I have a GAF roof yeah. in this house. <laughs> Well, it's one in four, so I, it might be you. So yeah. yeah, I was thinking about that. I was thinking, look around, uh, hope it's me. <laughs> well, thanks. Um, appreciate it. And great to have you with us. It's always great to have the perspective of somebody using this data or experiencing what this data represents firsthand. So I can't wait to hear kind of what you're you're thinking about, um, you know, about how the industry is, where yeah. it's going and you know, what this, uh, this index is telling us. Yeah. And of course, Bobby, we need you to tell us how the U S bank freight payment index works. Mm -hmm. So people understand, right. The relative numbers and, and that kind of thing. Gotcha. Uh, the freight payment index is our contribution of data points to in our perspective on the freight market. It's a chain based quarterly chain based index which means we compare in a same store sales manner each quarter to the previous quarter. And again, we find that this provides um, our, you know, our viewpoint of the marketplace. Again, we're not the only data point out there, mm. but we are uh, a solid one. Uh, the other thing of note is that. Um, well, hey, 46 billion, you mentioned a data point, Bobby. $46 billion of transactions. That's more than one or two data points, huh? Correct. Um, the other aspect of it is the regional. And so with the amount of data that we, we have through our processing, of, as Greg had stated earlier, millions of transactions, again, we feel that we have a valuable set of data to provide to the truck freight marketplace. And the regional perspective is our, you know, our uniqueness. And I think when we go through the numbers this quarter, uh, we'll kind of see why. So... Yeah, and all of this is anchored back to, to 2010 Q1. So 100, if it's at 100, it's basically at where you started the index. Is that a fair estimation? Yeah, I think a, chain, a quarterly chain base works a little bit differently, but let's, we can go with that. It started at one, and then as you start to leapfrog the quarters um, with all the adjustments and things we make to make sure that it's more a reflection of the marketplace rather than our, our business, yeah, that's how we get to where we are. Deseasonalized and all that jazz. Correct. I like how we're just going with stuff today. That's a good theme. Let's just go with it. We got to just go with it here today. Um, all right. <laughs> Bobby, thank you as always. We appreciate what you and your team put into yeah. uh, this report. Uh, and folks, again, it's free to download. Uh, Freight.usbank.com. Okay, Michelle. Um, we, we really enjoy, appreciate your, as busy as you are, you carving some time out because we love to pair that executive leader, executive practitioner that, that um, uh, who um, you know, the organizations are out there fighting a the good fight when it comes to freight coast to coast. So how do you um, and other industry leaders utilize resources like the freight payment index? Yeah. So 46 billion in market visibility, uh, hard to come by, especially in one place. So mm. companies like GAF, um, it's, it's a great place to go for a broad view of the market. And, and as Bobby said, to get some regional perspective as well. It helps us check in with, you know, how, you know, how we thought about the market. What, you know, how did our quarterly actuals match up to what the report is saying? You know, are we making the right assumptions about the broader market? 
Um, are we making the right choices around transportation? So I think it just helps us with, okay, how did we, how did, how does this show us how we thought about things and where were we off? Where do we have to course correct? Um, and it just, you know, gives us that visibility. But if you think about the value proposition for JF is about delighting our customers, right? It's, mm. it's, it's all about being prepared. I mean, we run supply chain, right? It's all about being prepared. Um, the better we plan, the better decisions we make, the better for our customers. And I think this is a good source of information to help us do just that. Yep. And Greg, we've heard almost different versions of that same message from a wide variety of senior practitioners, right? Since we kicked the series off, our dear friend Enrique Alvarez with Vector Global Logistics joined us last uh, last quarter. Right. And we talked about some delicious food there too. But Greg, what I mean, that's that's exactly what we hear from folks when you when you bring in the, the freight payment index with a wide variety of other data and insights. It does help make better decisions, right, Greg? Well, I think what Michelle you mentioned is benchmarking to determine, you know, kind of how you compare to what the broader marketplace is, and and because you all are nationwide at the very least, um, it allows you to understand how you're doing against against the marketplace in general. So. Um, it's a great benchmark to understand where you stand. A lot of companies do, you know, they use it as kind of a jumping off point to say, okay, as Bobby can't say, but they can, right? I think this is what where we're going from here based on what we've seen, you know, this quarter or in previous quarters. And the, and the index does a great job of giving you that historical context whenever you see the graphs and the chart. So you can do that easily. Yep. Well said, Greg. All right. So thank you all for that context. And we want to get right into, so there's there's a ton uh, of data and insights from each quarterly um, uh, freight payment index. But but what I li- liked what we've done here is Bobby and his team has put together the five things you got to know from the index. So Bobby, what we want to do is take these, you know, that you already gave, it, gave us a sneak peek, but we're going to take these one by one. We're going to get you to expound a little bit more on each of these. And then I'm going to get Michelle and Greg to weigh in with what the, they may be seeing related to each of these five cake uh, takeaways. Almost said cake. And y'all got me thinking food now between wings and Philly cheesesteaks and you name it. Uh, so, Bobby, let's go with the first one, right? When we talk about uh, Q1 2023 results. Let's start there. So from a national perspective, uh, we see that quarter over quarter, um, there were very slight drops in uh, both shipments and spend, we see that the shipments dropped, you know, almost double over double what uh, the spend dropped. Which anytime the shipment volumes are lower than the spend, you know, we see that as an indication of a, a capacity issue. You pay more to ship less freight. Yeah. Um, I will say this was a mixed bag of numbers, and again, those will become more apparent as we kind of dive into. The quarters, but that's the the general takeaway is that we had a soft market uh, with drops quarter over quarter and year over year in both shipments and spend. Yep. All right. So Michelle, that continued soft trucking market is what Bobby's talking about there. Your thoughts, Michelle? I'm not surprised. <laughs> um, I'm not surprised at all. I don't know, Bobby, if 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 you are, um, you know, the the government is rise is raising interest rates to slow the economy. Right. It's right. it's working. Right. And so I don't think any of this is a surprise. I think the question is, how long is it going to take? There's there's a lot of, I think, trepidation, trepidation and uncertainty out there around how, you know, second quarter and the rest of the year is going to pan out. But I think where we are today and, and through the first quarter, I, I'm not surprised at all that we see slowing. 
Mm. <laughs> that's what yeah. that's what it's designed to do. Yep. Well said, Michelle and Greg. You, uh, I think, agree with uh, as I, as do I with Michelle. Your thoughts, Greg? Yeah, I think at a macro level, of course, we're going to see all of that slow down um, as the spot market has gotten tougher. Smaller carriers have have dropped out. Um, I mean, I think when we talk about some of these regions, we'll we'll understand why there's softness or strength in various parts of the uh, of the country. Um, but overall, I mean, this has got to be impacting Michelle and GAF. Uh, you know, housing starts are down. Um, manufacturing is down. Um, and, you know, and retail is down as consumers start to tighten their belts. Mm. Uh, good point there. Speaking of manufacturing, one of my favorite, one of our favorite industries, manufacturing activity contracted again in April. And numbers just released uh, six months in a row. Uh, of contraction there. So, um, all right. So, Bobby, let's move into the second uh, key takeaway there when it comes to quarterly and yearly drops. Well, again, that's why we call it a continuing soft softening market. Normally, there um, are dips in Q1, you know, coming out of the holiday season, going into Q1, and then things start to ramp up going into second quarter. Um, but what we're seeing here is that this is uh, three years of, or the first time in three years that we've had drops across the board, which shows that it's a little more significant than just, you know, the regular seasonal, uh, seasonal issue. Right. So it's just something that we're, we're, we want to bring out there and something that we're going to continue to monitor as we process our data going forward. And you can take that to the bank. Bobby and his team <laughs> got their finger on the pulse. That's one of our favorite parts of the series. Okay, Michelle. Uh, that probably doesn't surprise you either. Your thoughts here around the first time in three years. Exactly. Quarterly. Yeah, exactly. What I was going to say it's not surprising at all. Um, you know, so I worked in as a CPO in my last role at, at DuPont Comore. So I lived through kind of the last three years there. But um, it was the most unprecedented three years in supply chain history. I mean, I know that I'm biased and I'm only in the century, <laughs> but um, and we don't know what new normal is yet. And so. Mm. Um, all we know is we're, we're kind of past some of those larger global impacts like COVID, you know, right. hopefully. Um, finding drivers. I mean, we've been talking about driver shortages way below, way before, you know, the COVID, right. COVID hit us. But that was always a, a dynamic around, you know, f- you know, driver shortage and folks wanting to be in this industry in general. Um, but then COVID hit the ice storm in Texas, which caused you know, crazy disruption for year, for years. Right. Right. And and I bet you there's still folks that are down and not back to normal even now in that mm. Gulf Coast, you know, things like that, things like that. And, and one after the, the Suez Canal blockage, <laughs> ports in China closing, this is all causing disruption. And what happens in those markets is then people need to get things moved. And so they'll pay whatever it takes to move it. And they'll do, they'll do things that they normally wouldn't do. So we call that, you know, illogical freight behavior, right? right. So that, you know, costs money. It, it spiked prices um, and we had to do it because we had no other way. So I think when that, you know, plays out and that right now we're in this correction period, I think, is yes. you know, what does that new normal look like? And yeah, I think some capacity has come out. Um, I think if prices continue to soften, that'll happen. I mean, the markets will correct, right? That's what that's what happens. But, but I think after, you know, the... The last three years and, and, sh- and seeing this now for the first time, I think 
again, not surprising. So uh, love that and love that phrase. So, so Greg, uh, the freight market does not have a monopoly on illogical beha- behavior. We've seen lots of that across industry uh, in recent years. Your thoughts there, Greg? Yeah, attach market to anything and expect <laughs> illogical behavior. Right. Like stock market, bond market, right? Materials market is if there's a market, right, where people are bidding on things, you're going to have illogical behavior. So I like that. I've never really thought about it that way, but that's really that's really a good way to express it. Yes. Yeah. Look, uh, consumers are slowing down their spending, and retailers are are going into the second year of being jammed with excess inventories. So there's every reason for um, for transportation slowdown, right? Because they don't, they aren't bringing as much into the ports. They aren't moving as much across the country, uh, and frankly, a lot of it isn't moving out of the stores. So mm. um, maybe we should maybe we should take a look at individual <laughs> shopper transportation. Yes, Bobby. Um, good luck with that. Uh, speaking of illogical. Mm. Um, but I think that's a that's a big part of it. Also, the Fed is meeting today, and it's yeah. crashing the stock market. So there's a lot of um, there's a lot of trepidation. Great word, um, a lot of trepidation in the marketplace today. Um, and you know, when when frightened, little bunnies do nothing, and we're all sort of, as you said earlier, Scott, battening down the hatches, mm. right? Because so many people continue the the number continues to grow of people that believe that ultimately the economy is going to slow down dramatically. Another, another medium sized bank failure. Mm. Yeah. First Republic. Yeah. And, and after JP Morgan put money into mm. I mean, after several banks, I believe Bobby put like $30 billion into them. Wow. So who would have thunk that Spock was a supply chain analyst with his illogical observations. Uh, but I say that's the state we live in here. Um, <laughs> uh, thank you, Michelle. All right. We, Fellow Trekkie, maybe. Thank you very much uh, for that. Uh, okay, so Bobby Holland, where are we going with our third? We're talking about the Southwest region with our third key takeaway, right? Yeah, what we saw was that the Southwest region outperformed other regions for the third consecutive quarter. I know for there was a period of time where the Southwest was lagging behind because of the impacts due to fuel and agriculture. But we see that right now that's one of the regions that's weighing up the index and kind of keeping that at a, at a national level, at a flat line. But when you go into the gas and greens, gas and greens, uh, as Bobby, uh, Michelle, what'd you hear there when, especially when it comes to the Southwest region? Yeah. So our company moves freight, as you can imagine, we have 30, 30 sites, right? So we move freight regionally. We use more flatbed trucks. So we're pretty specialized in, in, you know, the type of, of, uh, trucking that we're using, but, um, you know, we're fairly specialized. Um, our carrier base tends to be local, smaller, um, kind of, you know, because we serve the regional areas. Right. Um, and that's, they've been, they've been a very reliable pool for us. Um, I think we have, you know, some great local relationships. We do see similar data, though, to the, the Southwest data that U.S. Bank is, has reported, um, with that region being strong, stronger than others. Uh, but we are, I guess, fortunate that we still have high carrier acceptance. We're not finding that we're not, you know, not able to, to ship the loads that we need. Okay. So, um, and maybe that's just a, an artifact of, you know, the, the localness and also the, the type of equipment that we use. Yes. Okay. 
A lot of good insights. Talk about regional uh, boots on ground insights there, Greg. And, and Greg, before you get your comments, I love T-squared. It's not a new normal. It's a growing and evolving abnormal. Man, ain't that the truth? Okay, <laughs> so Greg, your thoughts there when we talk about the Southwest and some of the things Bobby and Michelle shared. Yeah, well, there's lots more trade uh, on the ground with Mexico, which moves by trucks. Um, you know, part of, I think we're seeing part of the myth of reshoring being exposed. The manufacturing is definitely not happening, happening in the States. Our economics don't support it. Labor's too costly, right? Unions deter companies from bringing, um, from bringing that, that business back, but they may be moving some man, more manufacturing into Mexico and, and certainly, um, the USMCA, I hope I did that right. USMCA so. agreement is starting to, to get traction, if you will. And so you're seeing more trucks moving uh, across the border. And uh, Houston is a really, really busy port. And I read in the index that um, that uh, some inland ports in Texas are some up just tremendously. So, um, you know, Laredo is on, it's on the Texas side of the border. So uh, because of all of that trade with Mexico, you're seeing a lot of that um, you know, a lot of that go through Laredo. Yeah. Good stuff there, uh, Greg. And those inland ports have been valuable parts of uh, our infrastructure. Um, all right. So, Bobby, we're moving from the Southwest to the Midwest with our fourth key takeaway. Your thoughts, Bobby? So, with the Midwest still struggling, as we said, post they post declines in three out of the four index metrics. Uh, again, we have. The only metric that was up was the quarter over quarter shipment volume. And again, it was very slight at 1.3%. But for that 1.3%, the spend was down 5.3%. So basically, we're seeing that as an evidence of a very soft market capacity-wise in the Midwest. And Midwest, uh, one of the things that that voids them up is manufacturing. Uh, But in this case, manufacturing has, has been slowly on the decline. And... Again, we think we're seeing that as an impact in the data. Mm. Michelle, we moved to the Midwest. Some of your thoughts there. So I read, can't tell you where I read this, but the March Manufacturing Purchasing Mm -hmm. Manufacturers Index was down at the lowest levels in three years. Um, So, of course, again, that's translating into longer longer freight. Longer freight. That was in that was in the that was in the index. Oh, that was you. That's where I read it. <laughs> that's awesome. I should have known. I'm sorry, Bobby. I read it in your. Oh, that's all good. You know what he does? He does that stuff on purpose. He puts those little tidbits in there to find out if you're actually reading it. So good job. <laughs> I did. I read it, and it that's stuck awesome. with me. Um, What's coming up? That's I read a lot because I'm, I'm new here, so I'm reading a lot of good things. So I'm sorry, I have to keep you up. But you make a great point. Michelle, uh, you know, manufacturing, it's a big theme, right? It touches so much, so, so many parts of not only the freight market, but the economy. You yeah. can uh, please continue your thoughts there, Michelle. So the long freight market obviously is, is moving into, you know, more competitive freight rates, which is what Bobby's reporting. Um, you know, for us, we just, we need to be really careful and like everyone else around capacity coming out, especially permanently because we're using smaller carriers, you know, that are more local to our markets. And so, you know, it's incumbent, I think, on all of us to understand what that cost position is for our carriers and to support them um, mm-hmm. because rates that keep declining are, just aren't going to be sustainable. And we all know what happens when that when that happens. And so 
um, you know, we can all we can all avoid that by helping out the the mom and pop, you know, trucker trucking companies to make sure that they at least are covering their costs. Mm. Yeah, that's one of our observations from last quarter is it looks like again in the data that a lot of very small carriers are leaving the market because of the downward pressure. Mm. That's a good point, uh, Bobby, and thank you for that, Michelle. Uh, I'm with you. I, I like that your final challenge there to, to good, find ways to provide smart business to, to mom and pop uh, companies out there. All right, Greg, I know you're chomping at the bit. Your thoughts when it comes to the Midwest? Yeah, I love that notion as well because at some point, I mean, it's not just doing it for them. It's doing it for you and right. GAF, Michelle, because if those carriers go away, right, capacity tightens, um, prices go up because you use specialty carriers. Also, that's that can be a problem if they go out of the marketplace. Um, then you're in a bad way in some of these regions. But look, let's face it: manufacturing runs on rust in the Rust Belt, and that's the Midwest. And you know, we just talked about this a little bit on the previous point that you know, if, as manufacturing goes, so goes the Midwest, and therefore so goes the transportation therein. That was almost a legal statement, wasn't it? Um, so, so I um, I have to say in the Midwest, especially that I'm not not terribly surprised by this. I am a little bit concerned about it uh, because of the you know the length uh, of the of the potential downturn here. So, um, but yeah, it's you know it's something that's going to happen until. We what I don't know adapt the economy of the Midwest, frankly. Yep. Hey, you, you know, um, speaking of manufacturing and some of these themes, uh, auto sales. You know, auto sales. This is interesting. Auto sales are picking up steam. March twenty twenty three was the best month for auto sales since May twenty twenty one. Yeah, you know I, why they're picking up? Please, they actually have cars to sell. Right. Well, yeah, certainly. Right. Uh, we've got logos. We've got we've got all the parts. Because Greg, how many parts does it take to to make a a car? All of them. That's right. So, but great signs there. Um, all right. So Bobby, we've gone through four key takeaways with the last couple being really focused on certain regions. I think number five, we're talking about kind of home base for us here, the Southeast. Mm-hmm. Tell us more. Yeah, you know, what we saw in the Southeast again was that it had a almost eight percent increase in yearly spend, even though. According to our data, there was over 16% fewer shipments, uh, which means that they're paying a lot to move freight down in the southeast. Um, it has a, a soft housing market, but you know, again, um, with interest rates and import volumes changing, again, it's it's still more expensive to move less freight. That's right. Um, and you mentioned the ports, yeah, the uh, ports of Georgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ports of Charleston and South Carolina, um, up up really the whole East, East Coast ports, uh, for obvious reasons, have been gaining big time market share and volume. Michelle, when it comes to the Southeast, your thoughts? Uh, the capacity data lines up to you know anecdotally what we're hearing as well, um, and I think to to Greg's point, and we've kind of belabored this one now, is you know the I think the one of the experiences from COVID or that, you know, that we, we do have choices. The other thing is, is that uh, trucking companies understand now where their, I'll say, rate entitlement is. They, they mm. understand now what, what folks will pay for if supply, if supply is constrained. I'm not saying that this is a game, but they're going to sit their equipment, right, to get those margins versus 
versus, you know, operating under costs. And I think maybe in the Southeast, we're seeing that they're moving it, but they're not, they're not going to cave on, on price or they're going to sit their equipment. So yep. um, I think there's a lot of, a lot of uh, industry have learned, has learned that since those peaks that, you know, what, what they, they what they could actually achieve in terms of, you know, revenue right. um, if they were, if they were more, um, I guess, thoughtful about, you know, how they serve the market. Great entitlement. Uh, good stuff there, Michelle. All right, Greg, uh, your thoughts when it comes to the Southeast. Yeah, well, since I had a minute, I thought I would try to verify some of the some of the potential, my, one of my assertions for the data. So you can't see this very well, but this is my <laughs> marine traffic app. Um, I'm, I've literally, you've been seeing me look over this direction. There is one ship waiting outside the port of Savannah, and I can see it right there, and it is empty. Yep. Um, and there are no ships waiting outside Charleston, one in Brunswick and zero in Jacksonville. So um, this is a dramatic shift from from where we have been. So I think some of the traffic has started to move back towards uh, Houston because it's closer to California, which they were avoiding. And also, as Bobby reported also in, in the index, um, California has largely... Uh, you know, eliminated their backlog. So they're starting to take most of the imports from China and the, and the far East. So there's just not, I guess, enough to go around. Right. Mm. And maybe we're moving back to freight logical. Right. <laughs> well, I think we have been for a while, Michelle, you're right. And I think this is sort of the settling out period where all of this, you know, even coming back to logical starts uh, to create disrupt- disruptions yep. for a period of time, and then those will eventually settle out. Yep. We just don't yes. know until another normal is. <laughs> What's until something next? else happens, and we all, you know, we go back into the tizzy we just came from. So. Right, <laughs> right, right. Uh, but maybe we'll live long and prosper for at least a, a little stretch here. We'll see. Um, all right. So Greg, Michelle, Bobby, Bobby, actually, I'm not going to ask you. Yeah, there you go. Thank you, Greg. I'm not going to ask your question, this question to you, Bobby, but really for Michelle and Greg, when we look, when we think about what's to come, right? Michelle, I'll start with you. You know, what might we see in the freight market in the months ahead? I want to say who the hell knows. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, with all the, you know, we just talked about, you know, the Fed and stuff too. So there's, there's still a lot of uncertainty around demand and manufacturing. Um, But if it, if it broadly continues to slow and there is no kind of course correction, um, we're going to see capacity coming out. We're going to see rates going up and we, we've been to this play before. And so I think we know the end. Um, It, you know, as Bobby's been reporting, it's a regional regional phenomenon. I think it's re- kind of region to region. Um, our business, maybe thankfully, is weather dependent, it's much weather dependent of, of, as anything. So um, I hate to say we love a good hailstorm, but the weather lately in this, I mean, you see there's, I think there was, I don't know, golf balls are bigger down in Florida. Right. There's places that are getting hail that don't normally get hail. I mean, we're, no, we're used to, you know, we're used to Texas hail, which is always, you know, good, good business. Um, But from kind of Minnesota to to Texas, all the way over to the East, every day, there's another storm somewhere. And so um, for us, we can't just look at, you know, macro manufacturing trends. It's more about, you know, how are we feeling right now? We're feeling Mm. pretty good only Mm. because, you know, the weather's helping us in 2022. 
You know, Greg, I like how Michelle really keeps it real. We're going to have to have Michelle back with us here. I really enjoy her insights. Uh, but Greg, what about you? You know, Michelle's answer in many ways was who the hell knows? Greg, what are you thinking in the months ahead? She took my answer. I, um, <laughs> I mean, I, I, truthfully, I've never been less confident in in where we could be going than right now. The the thing that really shocked me was the data about the southeast. What a stunning drop that is, and mm. and for how long um, that's been that's been going on. So um, yeah, I'm I I think my tiz is is this it's really hard to figure out where we do go from here so i think it's good bobby it is in a great place not being able to give forward-looking predictions because it's really hard to right now really hard um you know there's just a lot of transition what the fed does today is going to impact and and affect um the economy one way or the other uh you know there are a ton of people who think they still ought to be doing half point um, lifts. There are a lot of people who think that they're jeopardizing banks, mid-size and unstable banks, mostly not U.S. Bank. Um, <laughs> congratulations on being uh, voted as one of the most ethical companies in the world. That's very impressive. Mm. So, um, but uh, you know, it's it's tough because the the economy is in a very fragile state, much like the supply chain is or was. Uh, some you know some months and years ago mm. so uh, I will give you the same I will give you any prediction that an economist will give you and I will be absolutely as correct as they are which is almost not at all so, <laughs> um, yeah I, I would say we're gonna start we're gonna see continued shifting but can't tell you where what direction any mm. of that you know there's gonna be a lot of Half measures put in place to try and stabilize things. So we'll just have to see what the effects of those mm. are. Mm. Michelle, yeah, you're about to add. Yeah, I will say that it's a really good time to stay connected, really close to customers, to to your you know your transportation carriers, to the suppliers. I think everyone that's in the value chain, because we don't know you know because we're all connected at some point, and who's going to feel it first? But it's it's a really good time to stay very connected. Yeah, Michelle, I, I'm really uh, appreciative that you mentioned customers and suppliers, right? It's really important uh, on both sides, upstream and downstream, so to speak. Um, okay, well, we are coming to a fast and furious finish. I want to share this one again once more with folks. Uh, Q1 2023 U.S. Bank Freight Payment Index is now available. You can get it at freight.usbank.com and give us your take uh, on what you see. Um, all right, so let's make sure, folks, that – uh, that our audience, our global audience knows how to connect with our, both of our esteemed guests. And then who knows, I'll get maybe Greg's key takeaway here after we thank Bobby and Michelle for their time. Bobby Holland with us bank. How can folks connect with you? Uh, my LinkedIn information is current. Uh, so it's easy to contact me uh, through my, through email and I'll answer any questions that I can. Just that easy. Right. Easy. And uh, just like it's easy to download, the uh, freight payment index, right? Uh, and I really appreciate how you know that's um, not only is the resource it doesn't it doesn't cost you anything, but it's really easy to access, and that is not always the case. So, uh, Bobby, uh, kudos to you and your team. And by the way, that title or that award that Greg mentioned, congratulations, man! We need more ethical business leadership uh, during these times. So, Bobby, congrats. Great place to work. 
All right. So, Michelle Moore, really have enjoyed uh, your uh, takes on supply chain, freight, and then some here. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking forward to reconnecting with you. How can folks, you know, maybe they want to have you in as a keynote. Maybe they want to uh, talk business, talk shop with you. How can folks connect with and you maybe at the GFT? Right. Right. So same. So you can reach me on, on LinkedIn. Um, and if you want to follow GAF, I, we're on all the social media outlets. So Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, um, awesome. any of those, you can follow GAF. Okay. Wonderful. Wonderful. Women. We're dropping some links in the chat as well, because we want to make it easy too. one click right. away from connecting with our pet, our guests here today. So I want to thank both of our guests. So Michelle Moore, Senior Vice President, Integrated Supply Chain at GAF. Thanks for your time, Michelle. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You bet. And, of course, Bobby Holland, as always, Director Freight Data Solutions at U.S. Bank. Thank you, Bobby, for all you and your team do. Well, thank you guys as well. All right. We'll see you, both of you all, back again soon. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks, everybody. All right, Greg. We got a couple minutes here because I'm going to get your uh, one of your key takeaways or two. I want to share a couple quick comments here. Uh, Dan, I appreciate this um, this feedback. Very informative. Nice to meet the guests. Thank you for that. Thank you for joining us. I uh, appreciate wow. you, your thoughts here. Hey, Juan, thank you as well. Great conversation as always. Juan says, very interesting insights. Thank you, Scott, Greg, and Supply Chain Now team. Wait, big thanks also to U.S. Bank and GAF for, for you know not only creating um, the index, right, and sharing all that information, but being, being able to get a, a senior supply chain leader, you know, to take some time out from yeah. there crazy schedule uh, to marry it with, with what's going on in the market. Um, yeah, great. In, in what is already a crazy time, right? Uh, wow. Yeah. As, as Michelle uh, explained very, very well. Illogical. Illogical. Yes. Um, all right. So, Greg, before we wrap here today, uh, out of everything we covered, all the ground we covered, the data, the views, the, pra- uh, the practitioner insights, you name it, what's one thing folks got to keep front and center from this conversation? Well, the staying connected is really important, um, and Michelle said it, and, uh, and uh, it made me hearken back to the early days of the pandemic when somebody on one of these shows said, whenever there's a crisis, it's too late to make friends, mm. right? So um, now is a good time to get aligned with, connected with, be fair to, as Michelle talked about, um, your customers, your suppliers, uh, your any of your trading partners, frankly. Um, your neighbors in the in the uh, industrial complex, whatever. Uh, I think that's a really important thing to think about. And also, I think from a very tactical standpoint, let's keep an eye on um, the thing that came up as an issue in every single region. Really, I know we didn't go through every region individually, but every single region region does have some impact of of tightening capacity because these smaller carriers are are dropping out. So keep an eye on that situation as that happens, as capacity reaches its tightest point, that's when you'll start to see things stabilize and, and um, normalize and, and maybe even start to recover. So yeah. um, that to me is the key to the stabilization of the market is, is what happens with those smaller carriers. Yeah. Well said, Greg. And I would just uh, double down on the first part of your response there. Man, get out, shake hands, break bread in person. You know, I know travel is blowing up right now, but there's a reason for that. And as Michelle and Greg and even Bobby are pointing to, hey, take it off Zoom. Get out there, meet, sit down, 
really invest in those relationships, both on the customer side, which may seem very intuitive, but also the supplier side, right? You never, you, it's really important that um, you, you have regular discourse with what's going on, both in their business with you in terms of suppliers and what else is going on in their business. You can uncover opportunities undoubtedly. And as John says, Greg, excellent point, Greg, make friends when you don't need them so you can leverage them when you do need them. John, excellent point. I appreciate you joining us. And of course, T-Squared, as always, holding on the fort for us on YouTube. Appreciate your great feedback as well. It's like an adaptation of Glengarry Glenn Ross, always befriending. (laughs) That's right. All right. With that, folks, uh, Greg, always a pleasure to knock out these conversations with you. It's one of my favorite shows. Um, Lots of actual insights, right? Lots of actual insights. But whatever you do, folks. Yeah, you got yeah. to act. You got to act on those actionable insights. Right. Uh, because taking no action is also a strategy, a poor one at times. Uh, but <laughs> this, that's that's a decision to be made. But whatever you do. Hey, deeds, not words. Put it into action. And whatever you do on behalf of Greg and our, t- our entire team here at Supply Chain Now, Scott Luton challenging you to do good, to give forward and to be the change that's needed. And we'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.